Hello, everybody. We're talking psychedelics today. Again, man, I like to space these episodes out a little more. I was just talking with my buddy and past guest, Cole Marta, uh, about... He was like, maybe you just need to start a psychedelic podcast. Uh, because I I just worry how much of, of that to put into my... Uh, my baby, my here we are podcast. You know, I don't, I don't want it. It tends to take over. You have one episode every, every say ten episodes about psychedelics, uh, which is probably less. It's much less than that. But one out of like fifteen episodes we do about psychedelics. Uh, but you do two, three in a row, and next thing you know, people are like, "Oh, this is a psychedelic podcast and they look at it they've never looked into anything and i'm trying to get like you know a guest to talk about um lyme disease or something like that and they look and they're like who is this druggy weirdo and these are the concerns uh that i have and and um about how much these are the concerns that every kind of psychedelic uh user and and advocate and uh and many times researchers and your guest today, Adam Strauss, uh, these are the, the questions we ask. How much, how full in do I go into this? How how out should I be about, about this? And how much of my life should it be? These are the many questions uh, that we have to consider. And there's so many important things that in life and things that we like to explore on this show. So... So ideally, I would love to space out these episodes, but Adam just has this fantastic show that you, I, I got to, Adam, Adam's like uh, me, he's a comedian doing uh, psychedelic entertainment and, and interested in the, in the research and has been healed um, through personal experience, and this is a really fun interview and and i needed to bump it up because he has these shows coming up with with some dates to plug same thing next week it's supposed to be a different episode uh this week but we had to bump this one up and i think i'm bumping another one up next week as well uh my friend ashley booth has uh some cool psychedelic stuff coming up so man we are being inundated the world of psychedelics against me not even trying not only am i not trying uh, to do a bunch of like uh, get a bunch of psychedelic researchers and advocates and stuff on this show not only am I not trying I'm actively trying to avoid uh, this bubbling into my science podcast but psychedelics are sneaky in that way and they are bubbling up everywhere you look these days it feels like and everyone's talking about michael pollan's new book and how great it is and it's uh, this is articles in the new york times and becoming this mainstream thing and it's exciting and and uh it seems to be infiltrating a bit of academia as well and so i i hope that you guys are along on the ride and i'm uh you know probably don't even need to be over explaining all of my decisions and i I thought you guys would be kind of interested in in some of the thought that goes into even just how often i do a, a podcast like this but this is a this is a special one uh you know mushrooms Oof, i love them i i uh haven't made that a a secret i i absolutely love 
psilocybin mushrooms and uh i i also have i was just talking with eric osborne with michael meditations um just at, at the la psychedelic science symposium he was there with his booth for michael meditations and uh and the here we are retreat we already have some listeners signed up for december one through nine and this far out that's great I, and i what i'm hoping because it's not like just closed off to to you guys um it is open to the public i'm just hoping we'll get more listeners there so the sooner you guys can fill this sucker up maybe we can even close it off and have it all uh to ourselves um not that it was the last time it was 50 50 and it was great to meet other people as well but um but it might be it might be real cool to just have a bunch of uh a bunch of you listeners in interested in science and the and the many things that we explore on this show all hanging out in jamaica together and having these uh, fantastic experiences so when i talked to the reason i bring it up when i talked to eric not only did we have some listeners already signed up for the retreat but um business is kind of booming for him and he's he's already uh let's see i'm i'm looking it's got august september uh september's fully booked october's going to be fully booked any minute now that means that means people are going to start the general public is is going to be looking at this november and december so so act quick if that's something you're thinking about uh doing now uh now would be the time to at least start inquiring and maybe sending an email to Michael meditations and doing because it, this not everyone can be accepted as well because of various uh screenings and everything else you know we want everyone to be safe so uh so if it's something that you're thinking about even i would at least get the ball rolling to to see if it's even going to be an option uh for you so you can go to mycomeditations.com and learn out uh, learn a lot more about what they're uh doing there and and you can hear uh past episodes with with eric talking about micro meditations and the live episode we did from the retreat with the various facilitators uh recently and and guys uh i'm not even going to apologize for doing a long intro this time a lot of times get self-conscious i've shared that with you not i'm not this time uh first off i think i'm crushing it and this is all kind of interesting right now crushing it might be a little strong sort of interesting right now i think i'm holding your attention enough eh, maybe i don't know i'm not you uh but here is something very exciting that uh that all of you are going to be interested in i imagine the documentary psychonautics uh is and you can go to psychonauticsfilm.com and it's on my website blah 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 anyhow so I had the Dances with Films uh, film festival that we were at. That you know I was I was plugging away and and trying to get as many people out as possible, and we had a fantastic turnout and lots of support. Well, we ended up winning the audience award for best documentary in the festival, and. I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that it's 
uh, we're going to have our pick of any platform and and that it's going to be some wildly successful documentary who knows we it's it's way too early to tell what we do know is that winning being in this festival and winning this audience award are are very good things for us and it's definitely going to increase our chances of of landing um, on a platform that we would like to land at so the most number of you possible will get a chance to see it and then you know we will have the little the little stamp on there in the description that we won the audience award at this festival that you know the average person has never heard of quite frankly but still sounds impressive doesn't it so uh these are all just you know uh, positive things that that will not only help get the film distributed but get more eyes on it get more attention get more pr and um so not only are we going to uh have this wonderful um psychedelic documentary with all this great information with all these amazing researchers in it but new people are going to be discovering my stand-up through that as well and then hopefully it's going to open the door for me um doing other documentaries and docu-series stuff that might uh eventually hopefully lead to me exploring uh more of the many ideas i i mean i would i would like to uh i have ideas for um you know kind of kind of turning a lot of the many topics we talk about on the here we are podcast and into a into a show so so that's only going to help move those plans forward so it might seem like psychedelics are infiltrating and stealing away this podcast and taking all the attention away from all these other great subjects sometimes i worry about that but uh in actuality it might also be the case that psychedelics are in fact helping get the attention we need to all of these other a lot of people finding this podcast because of their interest in psychedelics and then once finding it uh finding that oh you know what i it turns out i'm interested in uh behavioral economics stuff and i would have never known uh without stumbling upon this through my interests and gobbling up mushrooms so uh so it's a it's an odd world and you never know what's going to happen in this business on on uh in the world of podcasting and documentaries and entertainment and trying to uh trying to uh mix education and entertainment together what a wild interesting life this is for me trying to figure out and and uh again as usual i love um that that you guys are along with me on this ride and write in and um and give me suggestions and and send comments and stories and when we talk about something that you relate to and have a personal story about 
that's always fun to read about and uh so yeah so thank you guys for rating and reviewing on itunes and all the stuff that i'm always hounding you about i just appreciate it so much now that you know things are starting to click into place boy let's not jinx ourselves but uh, things are starting to kind of click into place a little bit for me. Went through a few rough patches. Things not happening as fast as I'd like. And, and it seems that they are clicking into place a little bit. It's too early to tell. Um, but I appreciate the support. And I hope that you continue take uh, take that support and enthusiasm. And also apply it to my guest today, Adam Strauss. Who, uh, interesting, funny dude who also has uh, this one-man show that's a little bit different than if you've seen my show. It's a little bit different than what I do, and I haven't had a chance to see it myself, but I've talked with tons of people that have seen this show that are fans of mine and saw my show and said that it's different, but they they liked it very much, and um, and that it's, you know, it's just a little more like Broadway, a little more one-man show, so it's... Um, that's that's fantastic that there's uh, this kind of content getting out into all these different facets of the entertainment business. And uh, so I hope you guys get a chance to check it out. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, we got a little uh, a little something different. It's, uh, you know, we usually have scientists on the podcast. Not always the case, but typically uh, we have scientists on the podcast. And then I uh, sometimes I have people on that just know tons about science. And uh, and my guest today is actually a comedian. And so two, I think this is, oh no, no, I've had two other comedians on before, uh, Adam. So you're the third. My, my guest today is comedian Adam Strauss, who is Strauss. We, we yeah, had yeah, a, see, it. I shouldn't have had the big debate beforehand. <laughs> I, I nailed it right away. I was yeah. like, it's Adam Strauss, right? And then and I was like, I'm worried I'm going to say Strauss. And then I did that, but it's okay. I feel like we're moving right yeah, along. Yeah, I think it's... And I'll, oh, I'll this just, is, I feel like I'm crushing this intro. Yeah, what do you think? I, I think, you're, good? I think you're, you're actually doing better than if you had nailed it out at the get-go, because in a sense, the uncertainty you're feeling about the name oh. is kind of a good lead-in to OCD. But anyway, they call OCD the doubting disease. And I think as you worry about things, you often prime they yourself. they call it that? That's what they, the, the monolithic they, refer to they. it as. Yeah, they them's. Um, so Adam has a, a show that he's been uh, going around with for a while called The Mushroom Cure that we're going to talk all about, all about his journey through OCD. And and uh, you know what's funny is you wrote because we kind of know each other. I mean, yeah. it's not like we've hung out a bunch or anything, but we we are kind of in the same circles. It's a, it's and it's a pretty small circle. It's a very small circle. <laughs> it's more of it's really a triangle. Comedians it's, it's, that you, talk. <laughs> yeah, talk about you, me, Duncan Trussell. Yeah. Um, and that's really about yeah. it. Uh Rogan sometimes yeah, talks. That's true. About, but like every comic like 
not every comic. A lot have com- have a couple of bits yeah. about yeah, getting too high on mushrooms or right, something right, like right. that. It's but, usually <laughs> that, right? And, and that's like if you hear like my first album, I have a mushroom joke. That's just like what a normal comedy club audience will laugh at, like. Well, they did mushroom. I bet they did something crazy <laughs> right. and wacky, and and that's how you uh, kind of have to sell things to the like birthday parties and like the disinterested bachelorette right, yeah. right, parties, prom and, shows. And so you know, I I've had some success d- with uh, in terms of like putting more information into my show. Mine started as a stand up show, and as I added, people be like, "Ooh, I liked the little bits of information in there." Yeah. So I was like, "Well, that's good news because I've been hoping <laughs> that I could put lots more information in my show, added more and more information, <coughs> and now my show's kind of I call it a third stand up, a third storytelling, and a third kind of TED talky." But you are doing something uh, similar and different at the same where where yours is, uh, I would say, heavier into the information than mine. I haven't no, seen it's your actually show yet. right. Yeah, hopefully, so it's more personal. I would say mine is not not informational. Mine is really, I mean, it's sort of a hybrid. What are you doing on this show? I, I, I know this duped. is this is all <laughs> this is all just a ruse to uh, get everyone to buy my new uh, DVD. No, I don't have a DVD. Uh, but buy it. Make it. Make a DVD like uh, of your. I, I was gonna go for some weird. I just go went for off it. Don't, in a yeah, world in my mind where people are recording themselves talking about you and then making a DVD and calling it Adam Strauss about me specifically. Yeah, that's very yeah, ego flattering. I like, like a, that. It's like their own little movie about you. About, I support making, that world. That is the world. Into a DVD. I so think we can all agree. Make a movie and put it into a DVD about, about me. Specifically, that would be a better world, I think. Um, uh, so, so no. Well, I I would say I do. Let, let me tie it all together. So sure. the, the show that's an ambitious claim. Let me tie everything together in the universe. Can you and, just explain it all? Yeah, just like the whole. Thing. This will be the last. This will be the last. Here we are because I'm going to answer yeah, all, yeah, all the good, questions. Good, good. So, um, so no. By which I mean, let me tie together. My uh, my my claim, which I have uh, of some expertise about the subject matter with with the show. When you wrote me uh, <laughs> uh, recently, and you're yeah. like, I've read every scientific publication about OCD that there is. Well, I'm OCD like, and psychedelics, and there's not that many. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. It was, a- but it still was funny because <laughs> yeah. it seemed. A little obsessive and compulsive. Yes, and just it, it, in the way in which you've even read the literature, right? And there is that element. And I'll say without without spoiling the show, the OCD is a lot better. But I am still obsessive. I still have that, let's call it um, neural slash you could say neurotic tendency to really drill into things. And Jeez, so this is another awkward moment where usually I have people on that have already fixed everything in their yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. This is. So. Uh, this is well, this is you know, a bit of a downer. I feel for like the, I feel like the, the many audience. DVD movies people would make about me would lack stakes and drama if I'd already had everything fixed. Right, so that's true. That's true. It's really I'm trying to support the marketplace for <laughs> third person Adam Strauss DVDs <laughs> by uh, keeping my own struggles alive and present. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, so <laughs> to to tie it all together, all all of it. All uh, of it. So, um, well, yeah, so. My story uh, was before I developed this nagging tuberculosis or whatever this cough is. Uh, you look unwell. Yes, thank you. I, I feel mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread, but we all are, whether or not we're aware of it. So yeah. um, that's why we gotta tie it together. Tie it all together. I think that's the new podcast title: title tying it all together. Um, well, all right. So let, 
<laughs> I, I was going to say just if you want to destroy my sweater yeah like all you have to do is is, is follow the thread while i walk away yeah just so you know yeah that's cool. my that's my can weakness. you dub it's in that kind song of as we, <laughs> when you I, I assume this i hope this editing after the fact here no no, no. this is it i right, mean cool. we can edit no don't edit let's let we can i often choose not to i could let's but you do at, put in your theme song at the beginning and you yeah, do a little preface so you can yeah, put in that song does that. destroy sweater. yeah i also like we could stop right now we could start all the no way, way over I refuse to do no, that. No, I'm having so much fun. This is good. This is this is silly. I don't. I don't get to be like. Sometimes I. I don't get to be silly for like five episodes in a row. Yeah, I never get to put my silly hat on. And today I'm wearing it. And I and I like the way you look. The silly hat is becoming of you. Really, oh, I think uh, yeah. it, it fits well. It's yeah, fit a, I spent a fortune on this silly hat of mine. <laughs> Decades of, <laughs> of yeah of painstakingly knitting it from. Public humiliations, and uh-huh. I'm projecting my own now. I'm, oh no, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. Um, so back to the Adam Strauss DVDs. No, so I had really, really debilitating OCD. Um, I had tried everything. I had been on you know every possible medication: SSRIs, tricyclics, antipsychotics, benzodiazepines. I'd seen. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What age did you start showing symptoms, and then what was what happened from there? Like, what, what, okay, first off, answer that question. What age, and then I have follow up questions. <laughs> okay, so, well, it's a it's a bit of a nuanced answer because there were precursors, by which I mean I always had a lot of anxiety, and uh, I saw we like hard and firm <laughs> answers on this, this is show science. too. This, this is science. Is, this is a real twenty seven point three, twenty seven point three years. It just popped up overnight. It did kind of pop overnight. So. Uh. So essentially, um, I had from an early age, I, I was diagnosed with depression at a pretty young age. Yeah. I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, which Ooh. was known as the highest per capita of psychotherapists in the world. I don't know if that was, if that's true anymore, but so it was not I unusual. Can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Newton is a very, I, I started my comedy career in Boston. I know you started in Boston, right? Newton is a very like overly diagnosed kind of, uh, well, yeah. or maybe adequately diagnosed oh, because it also turns out Newton has or had extremely high levels of lead in the drinking water. All these <laughs> old houses had the original lead plumbing. Ah. And this came out as sort of a scandal when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, mm-hmm. where like just off the charts lead levels. Um, so, but right, whether it's overdiagnosis or sufficient diagnosis, there's certainly, and it's a, you know, it's, it's in Boston, which is an academic center. So there's a ton of psychotherapists there. Having said that, my parents had never been to therapists. It wasn't something in our family. Um, so I was, you know, an extreme child in some ways. I was, I, I had a pretty contentious relationship with my parents. I was, I had trouble, let's say, regulating my emotions and handling my anxiety from a very, very early age, like my earliest memories. Mm-hmm. OCD was not well under, well, still not really well understood, and we can get to that, but it wasn't commonly, even a lot of therapists didn't really know exactly what it was. So I wasn't diagnosed as OCD, and probably that wouldn't have been the right diagnosis. They were like, age. "Oh, it's probably just the lead." <laughs> it was probably it was right. <laughs> oh, we got a, we got another lead. Has he been drinking here? water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's see a water drinker. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I was diagnosed at an early age with depression, um, but you know that was sort of a catch-all diagnosis, and I think it often still is. So I, I managed. Um, I was I was hospitalized for quote unquote depression twice at age eighteen. Um, but, you know, I sort of managed my life, but my symptom was always overwhelming anxiety. Uh, really, yeah, 
fairly crippling anxiety. I say crippling, but I did have a fairly, you know, outwardly successful young life. I did well in school. I was, you know, I had friends. You're popular? Uh, mm, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say popular. Okay. I, still still well liked. My, would, uh, my listeners, I like to I didn't even say well liked. My <laughs> listeners are like just like me. And so uh, there are people that like had some friends, but I, I not had popular. That's, that's, yeah, that's I, what I imagine my life. I had a small <laughs> group of, uh, Sorry, of, of close friends. Did right. I just shit on my listeners? Did I just call my listeners a bunch of losers for no reason? That was, I, that really was me projecting. Yeah, no, I definitely... No one would call me <laughs> popular, but... Um, but I, I managed life. You know, I wasn't, I would say outwardly, I would have probably been described by most people who knew me or even people who didn't know me well as intense. That was, and still is, an adjective I hear a lot. Um, but yeah, I was able to hold stuff more or less together. Uh, they put me on, as soon as Prozac came out, they put me on that. I was about 18 at that time. Uh, I'd been previously on some of the old tricyclic antidepressants that really didn't do anything for me. Um I was then diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, but yeah, it wasn't. So what I'd say is I always had the anxiety, but OCD, if we're going to define it as anxiety that then gives rise to some sort of compulsive repetitive behavior, that behavior for me didn't start until I, um, until I had a particularly significant romantic relationship end. And I guess I was 29 then. And it's pretty remarkable. And I talk about this in the show. Uh, it was, not literally overnight, but within a few weeks, I'd have started developing these compulsive ritualistic behaviors that I had never had before. Mm, and that's they, so interesting. Yeah, and I the interesting be- thing. Sorry, go ahead. Never mind. Well, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna like get in there and be like, here's why I think. Yeah, that no, happened. please. But well, I think that uh, that a lot of um, compulsive behavior is is an attempt at at uh, kind of manufacturing the placebo of control over mm-hmm. over the random chaos that is life, and you're probably suffering a particularly chaotic episode in your life wondering what you're going to do with with the love of your life now gone and reassessing everything and grasping at straws for a semblance of some pattern to hold on to that would save you trying to push me over the edge (laughs) (laughs) why do you even bother adam it's hopeless (laughs) that's a little hopeless well you gotta no i i sorry (laughs) you gotta like you know i was thinking of this lately i used to i i lived in uh malibu for a few years right we were talking about that the other night i'm jealous of yeah it was it was something to be i'm jealous now of what my life was for three years and uh i would go in the ocean and i didn't know what i was doing at first and i'd get hit by a big wave and then i'd like almost drowned and then i'd be and then i'd like would chance it again some other time and and like i kind of figured out what waves were manageable and what was too big and when you should go in and when you shouldn't but sometimes you just get you'd get uh you know toppled around and and your this massive ocean is spinning you around through this chaos and if you struggle through it you end up like swimming down or sideways and you're wasting a bunch of energy and going the wrong direction anyway whereas if you just kind of hold and be as patient as possible and just cover your head a little bit and try to relax as seemingly impossible as it seems all your reflexes want you to struggle wildly you can wait till there's like this clearing in the chaos and then you can pop your head up and breathe and that's what our inner world sometimes feels like to me yeah 
Yeah, often I would say it is. And I, I would kind of building on that, I would say I think that's sort of the common denominator with pretty much everything we call mental illness or addiction is an attempt to control that actually makes things worse. Mm-hmm. And that's why these mental illnesses slash addictions, and I really group them together. That's another conversation, but I think you can view mental illnesses as sort of internal psychological addictions patterns. I think that's why they're so, they're so hard to get out of because you're suffering. So you try to control more in some way, um, which increases the suffering more. So you, you try to control even harder. And it's just this, you know, it's the, like the, the, the noose tightening more, the more you struggle. And what uh, kind of noose were you building? Like early on, <laughs> what was the first like couple little ticks? So for me, the OCD, and it's always tricky for me to know whether to use present or past tense because I don't fully identify as having OCD anymore, even though I have a lot of those tendencies. Uh, I'll use past tense for now. We, so it was, um, and when it surfaces, which it does sometimes still is really about decision making, which uh, for people who don't have OCD, They'll often think, well, why is that OCD? But so essentially I would make a decision and then I would feel an overwhelming urge to reverse that decision. I would feel that, no, wait, I'd made the wrong decision and a lot of anxiety. I've made the wrong decision. I have to fix this. And so I would reverse my decision. I I would change it to the other option and then I'd feel a sense of relief. Okay, good. But then the doubt would creep back in and I would think, well, wait, no, I had it right the first time. I had it right the first time and I'd feel more anxiety. And so I'd reverse the decision again. The anxiety would go down for a little bit, then it creeps back up. So I'd get trapped in these patterns of making and reversing even very trivial decisions for hours or days on end. And I would literally, (laughs) I I would get completely trapped in these, you know, in the show I talk about, it started first with, you know, I'd put on a shirt and I would think, oh, wait, this is the wrong shirt. I'd put another shirt. And then I'd think, no, wait, the first one was the right one. And I'd go back and forth and back and forth, changing shirts for, for hours. And it just kind of spiraled from there. You know, if you, you think about it, people often say life is about decisions. But life, it really isn't about decisions. It is decisions. You can look at our existence as just a continuous, never-ending string of making decisions every moment, whether to have a sip of water, whether to move in closer to the microphone. And so... If you that, can also choose not to look at life that way. Right. That's a decision. That, that's a decision. Yes. <laughs> that, that is a valid decision. And, and I wouldn't reduce life just to that. But I do think it's such a common, just a, a, a just almost the, the context of our existence is decisions. We have free will or we, we feel like we have free will. So, um, so yeah, when that process gets hijacked with this sort of obsessive gremlin, it just existence becomes just almost impossible. And it got really bad really quickly. It took over shockingly fast. Um, and, you know, I was spending just days on end locked away in my apartment, just trapped with these trivial choices. And I knew at some level that this was crazy and that these decisions didn't really matter that much. But at the same time, when I was in the midst of one of them, it was like, I just have to get it right. I just have to get it right. And I think part of it is what you were saying. It's like when everything is out of control, reaching for the illusion of control, like, all right, I can control this one thing. I can get this one small thing right. And then there's also an element of kind of magical thinking where not quite consciously articulated, but at some level, at least for me, when I was in an obsession, you kind of believe like, well, if I get this one right, everything will be fine. I know, of course, it won't be fine. My girlfriend will still be gone. I'll still have all these, you know, financial worries, whatever else. But at some level, it's like, it's almost comforting reducing all of the ambiguity of life to just this one thing that you have to get right. And if you get it right, there's a payoff. That's the thing about OCD that a lot of people don't realize is there is a payoff. There is a fix or a hit when you feel like you've gotten it right. 
Uh, it's short-lived, unfortunately, so you go back for another hit, another fix. But in the short term, that feeling, whether you're someone who washes their hands and you feel like, all right, good, my hands are clean now, or someone who checks the stove, yeah, the stove is finally off, there's that feeling of relief. So, Hey, Adam, you want to do a bump of cocaine? Oh, no, thanks, man. I'm going to go change a shirt. <laughs> right. Uh, get that same Get that same rush. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if there are... Um, I was talking with an OCD researcher, Carol Matthews, at uh, University of Florida. I, I did the show there, and we were talking, and and I, I don't think there have been studies of like dopamine, you know, production when you kind of someone with OCD feels like they get it right, which is dopamine is what's implicated with cocaine. But um, see, see, Shane, I do know the science. Um, and how it just happened to me is I almost called you Sean related to your Strauss Strauss thing. Yeah. I got in my head for a second. I'm like, wait, Shane, Sean. Maybe I got in your yeah. head. Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe you got in my head to get in your head. Yeah. Oh, Our energy no, fields what's are. What's happening? This would be a good place to dub in like a wacky sound effect. Like, you just made it. You just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We could, for the next 30 minutes, just make weird sound effects. I'm not opposed to that. Life's Uh, about decisions. It is. Um, (laughs) So, I think that, so yeah. So, the OCD, to answer your question, to try to pull this somewhere back on the rails was. uh, Oh, I don't. I do not like a shot of on the rails. I have hated rails my whole life. Um, so the actual obsession started in my late twenties and, and bringing it back to my claims of scientific, some scientific knowledge here, I approached this problem of what the fuck is going on with me. Well, I wasn't even diagnosed with OCD for a while because even though I was seeing a therapist, you know, like many therapists, they thought of OCD as hand washing or that sort of thing. So it took a particularly astute therapist to look at this and say, okay, this is actually classic OCD in the pattern um, the manifestation of decision making is one that may be unusual, but the pattern of engaging in a repetitive behavior to reduce anxiety, to increase feelings of control, um, that actually has the opposite effect. Paradoxically, it makes things more out of control and increases your anxiety. That's pure OCD. So I was diagnosed. I was already on the medications conveniently enough for OCD for my quote unquote depression diagnosis. We now up the dosages of them considerably because the doses of a lot of these SSRIs are higher for OCD than depression. Uh, you know the thing that's not working? We should up it. We should do more. Right, exactly. Lots more of the thing that isn't work. That's like when I go back to uh, like Wisconsin and I, I well, now that I'm older, it's not. It doesn't happen as much. But it, you know, I, I haven't drank in a year. But mm-hmm. I quit drinking for like two or three years before too. And I'd go back and it'd be like. Uh, um, I, I'd be like, yeah, I don't drink. They're like, well, can't you just like drink beer or something? Like, have, <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, I haven't tried enough ways of drinking. Right. That's what it is. That's what my issue is. I haven't tried enough ways of drinking. Right. You're absolutely right. You just haven't hit upon the optimal combination of <laughs> right. factors of type of alcohol and number quantity. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, that's the traditional psychiatric approach is, you know, there aren't many arrows in the psychiatric quiver right now. There's SSRIs. There's really only a few classes of medications. They're not particularly effective for most people. So yeah, they upped the doses on the SSRIs. They had threw in some antipsychotics, uh, tried some benzos, Ativan for, you know, real horrific breakthrough episodes of OCD. Nothing really helped. Um, it maybe took a little bit of the edge off the anxiety. It made it so it was really difficult for me to uh, have an orgasm during sex that was a fun side effect but the <laughs> was, really yeah that's a very common side effect with ssris wow yeah they call it 
sexual dysfunction. Oh, right. uh, but that's oh yeah, it's like forty percent of people with SSRIs experience some form. But of... But you get it up just fine. Get it up just fine. And then yeah, you just can't. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, as a, y- a young man, could probably benefit from a there, little bit. I of... mean, my partners didn't complain about this, but right. it was uh, it was <laughs> it was definitely frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Please walk Sparky for me. No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large. Deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 4322 or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. So yeah, so I was on all these medications, nothing was helping. So I, you know, started obsessively researching OCD, what causes it. And we can certainly get into detail about that. Uh, but there's a whole host of factors, uh, you know, what's actually happening, happening at a neurochemical and neuroanatomical level with OCD. I really did sort of become a bit of an amateur scientist and all this stuff. Was that the first thing you started researching or was the first thing you Googled? Why can't I come? Please Google, help me come. That was that was definitely. I don't know if I used (laughs) that exact search query, but (laughs) you search, please Google, help me come. It links to Adam Strauss DVDs. Many Adam Strauss fan DVDs pop up. Instant (laughs) orgasm, right? (laughs) It was. So you started. This is. I'm. I'm like so. envious of you that you like i I couldn't come yeah no no i was that you that you actually like legitimately started like looking into you're like i'm gonna fix this well it's an ocd way to approach it in a way and i yeah and you know maybe i should use that that term so lightly because i don't want to it's not pathological per se but it is ocd is about fixing and controlling Mm -hmm. so i wanted to fix and control my ocd Mm -hmm. and um and you know the short answer I found as I looked more and more deeply into this is there's more and more evidence that like basal ganglia are implicated, the anterior cingulate gyrus, all this. I'm just throwing these, these terms in there just to make sure you don't think I'm a fraud. Oh, Famous. no. Those, but, are, those are, the, those are the, a couple uh, of... Amygdala. Amygdala is a big one. You talked well, about the amygdala everyone, on Tuesday on stage when we yeah, were doing that show together. Yeah, the amygdala, like Kind of played out. The, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's out. a good one. Here's the, a good one for basal you. Basal ganglia, though, yeah. that's like hot right now. Yeah. Caught it nucleus. Oh, see, that's yeah. that's very yeah. That's, that's up and coming. That's trending. The caught yeah. it nucleus. Is, wow. In fact, I'll take it even further. The head of the caught it nucleus. Ooh. Yeah. Now yeah. I don't even know yeah. what you're talking about anymore. That is that's good. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. So I'm buying that DVD. <laughs> there's uh, there. So yeah, there's there's more and more understanding of some of the mechanisms and it's also implicated childhood strep throat is thought to be a mm. significant risk factor it's this thing called pandas which i don't remember the acronym but it involves strep where um some kids uh develop ocd symptoms literally overnight after having bouts of strep throat so there's basically the the current model is there's some sort of to use the bi- the term in the biological sense insult to the brain whether it's um viral bacterial or in some cases maybe even brain injury traumatic brain injury i believe multiple sclerosis has something like that as well really like it's often the case that people that suffer ms later on in life had some like 
kind of debilitating illness around huh. some certain age that I can't quite remember, like 11 or something yeah. like that. I, I, on this show, I get to take wild <laughs> right, let's, let's call it information 11. <laughs> I maybe read in like a pop science magazine 15 years okay. ago. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, that is, I mean, that is, uh, that's endlessly fascinating. The, the, uh, myriad of, of odd little trajectories that set, yeah. set up your life for, for these, uh, what, what later become these, uh, these large effects that these little, these little butterfly effects yeah. of strep throat that can, uh, that can end in 20 years later being a debilitating OCD. That is so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know a ton about that, but I know that that is <sighs> pretty clearly implicated. I was hoping to only talk, talk about strep throat well, for the rest. Of- <laughs> pandas is the acronym and that's fun to say. So we can just, we can just talk about pandas, pandas the, the bears the or the acronym. Okay. Yeah. Something, something adolescent maybe is the A. Um, Man, we are yeah. crushing Yeah, we really are. <laughs> <laughs> But as I learned more and more about the neurobiology of OCD, it also became clear that there weren't very good remedies. I mean, psych- OCD, so the best data is about 50% of people with OCD don't respond to any sort of medication. Mm. And the 50% who do respond, they see only a 25% symptom reduction on average. So they still have bad OCD. So there's just not good remedies for most people with OCD in traditional psychiatry. Um, okay, that's like what, what about um, what about just like cognitive CBT therapy is, is is more is more effective definitely. Uh, what, what are they doing? Is there like is there like a immersion therapy? Yeah, or like what? There's a, so it's called I think it's what is it? There's a, well there's exposure response prevention ERP. Uh-huh. So basically, you know if you take someone who's afraid of germs, you'll have them do things like you know first sit on a dirty subway seat why is this doctor making me touch his used <laughs> toilet paper right, right. Oh, eventually i so i know an ocd therapist who eventually she was telling me with one patient they got to the point where and she was doing it with the patient uh they were licking the floor of public men's rooms oh good yeah yeah but doctor recommended everybody <laughs> yeah, right this i is- know you just walked in on something that looks peculiar <laughs> But this is uh, professionals here recommended <laughs> practice treatment for for a milder <laughs> for, a, for a milder thing than licking bathroom floors. The person who walks in may then unfortunately develop PTSD seeing that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> secondary PTSD. And then yeah. if you get hooked on the floor licking, <laughs> right? Too, and it's uh, it's a slippery slope. It is. You lick one bathroom floor and it's like, it's a little tastier than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> you assumed gross, of course, but you thought really bad. Yeah. Turns out wasn't that wasn't so bad. bad. Yeah. There's a little There's a rush something. to it probably. What is that? There was a peculiar kind of taste like, was that good? It was almost like a sour kind of a, and then you're like, I got to taste that one more time. Just that? one more. <laughs> <laughs> the old bathroom floor what is that taste game right. hours of fun <laughs> years of fun in some cases so yeah cbt <laughs> i feel like i'm the one who's trying to try to it's keep funny, us on track it's funny because like i'm such a bad host that i you're really will, you're really yeah you're really I failing will I f- derail things intentionally and then when i'm done derailing things like i won't ask a question yeah, to get things just, on tra- i'll just kind of sit here and wait for you to do my right, job right. for me yeah yeah 
It's uh, it's, it's unique. It's different. It is than different. A lot of hosts. It is different. <laughs> it is. Yeah, many who have a a certain agenda of wanting right. to inform or yeah, entertain. Kind of just winger. Yeah. 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 Oh. It, it works. All right. So get us back on track. Adam. Um, this is now your responsibility. This is, yeah. So yeah, CBT exposure response prevention. Uh, I think it's called what? Uh, there's why am I flooding? Is the other one where you'll just ki- kind of a variant of that. It's all involves of it, they all involve subjecting the patient to basically the thing they're afraid of, and you mm-hmm. habituate to it, and that can be effective. Um, it can be very very effective for some patients, but some patients it doesn't really work for. Maybe it's because they're not fully willing to do it, but for whatever reason, there's a lot of patients who just are not helped with traditional therapies. Um, Have you ever read the book, The Power of Habit? No, I haven't. Hmm. Oh, just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Shane makes a detailed note in his notebook. (laughs) This is just a census that I do in the middle of every episode. It's Um, part of your sponsorship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, well, there's a... Because I'm wondering if it... uh, Because I'm thinking about you changing... Like you, you change a decision, right? And so now you've done something and having done something is this reward in the brain. And so initially there's this dopamine release, but then dopamine, uh, dopamine works its way backwards and becomes the motivator. So, so then you get this dopamine rush Hmm. going like, Oh, if I, if I change a decision, I will get this reward, but it, now it's just huh. like motivating. It, so, so dopamine's often thought of as the reward, but it eventually moves back right. to, in, in the process to become the motivator. And and but what you can kind of do is is replace um, what the reward is. So it's like if you're trying to quit smoking, you know, you you zero in on what it is that's like really the hang is it the oral fixation can you just like put a sucker Mm -hmm. in your mouth instead to like replace that reward and so i do wonder if there's like some way of i don't know um look look i can't no i can't solve all the world's problems today what you're saying is yeah you were supposed to tie all and and i will we still have 20 minutes left I'll, i'll make sure that objective is is achieved but no what you just suggested is actually something i've never heard before but it it makes sense to me where because traditionally ocd is looked at like kind of an avoidant thing you're trying to avoid anxiety mm-hmm. and certainly you know ending pain and getting pleasure are i think they're, they're it's kind of hard to separate the two but you're talking more about the pleasure side of thing about the reward side of things which as i was saying earlier i do think there is a reward with ocd at least for me I think there was so yeah that could be a factor of all right it felt good when I made the decision initially now I don't feel good now I'm feeling this this sort of urge you know which I mean what is a compulsion other than just a real strong urge to uh to engage in activity again decision making activity again or hand washing whatever someone has cuz this sounds so close to like you know um uh pathological kind of analysis paralysis but it's not Mm -hmm. quite like that that's kind of more of what depression is in a way of just like constantly looking evaluating options maybe trying to think of more and just never like 
jumping on a path, but you are obsessively just changing paths. There certainly was a lot of analysis, and that that's something that I still have is I will deliberate before making decisions. But yeah, the, when it got really destructive was with, and by destructive, I mean I just get trapped, was with that behavior of making and reversing and making and reversing decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to, what is that book called? The Power of Habit. The Power of Habit. And it's some of the stuff that I was just saying yeah, wasn't yeah. from The Power of Habit necessarily okay. and then other stuff like replacing the, the replacing the rewards is a thing that uh they go through a number of, of uh they kind of explain the reward mm-hmm. system and then go through a number of examples of how you can do that yeah they use like outcasts hey uh, song to like febreze or whatever as these examples of how how marketers figured out how to train our reward system and uh-huh. how you can then use that for yourself to better your life it's a it's a fantastic book yeah, so giving yourself a reward that doesn't have such a destructive payload, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. it's it's the most kind of <laughs> scientific, uh, self-helpy book that I've ever read. I'm like very hmm. turned off by um, the self-help genre yep. in general, and yeah. and it's uh, as I think they kind of just say whatever they want to say and make it sound like nice and positive and you're motivated while you're reading it to like do a right. couple because it's like a little inspiring or whatever and i don't think it has a whole lot of uh useful information in yeah. many but this the power of habit is something that is uh i thought was really helpful and many uh many scientists seem to have their give it their stamp huh. of approval so yeah, yeah i haven't heard of it i'll check that out uh just oh. a quick plug for learning <laughs> yes this podcast sponsored by learning learning uh, so yeah so i learned all this stuff i tried all this stuff and nothing uh was helping and so i you know in my obsessive googling for a cure i stumbled across the to date still the only study of um of psychedelics for ocd which was out of the university of arizona i stumbled across this study where it was a small study it was only nine subjects real small pilot study but the results were pretty remarkable. It was basically all the subjects in the study had significant remission. Uh, so they gave these people psilocybin at varying dosage levels. It was not unlike most of the studies or all of the studies that are happening now uh, of psychedelics where it's psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. This really wasn't that. It was basically giving the people the psilocybin. I, a therapist was there in the room with them, but there wasn't much therapy whatsoever. And... But everyone had a very positive response. Some people, the response, the the symptom reduction just lasted, you know, a couple of days or a week. But one subject in this study, six months later, still symptom free. Mm. So the study, they didn't use the word cure, but I read that study at a time of particular desperation when my OCD was completely out of control. Just I, I had no life. I was losing everything dear to me. I read this and I looked at it and I was like, all right, well, it cured someone, you know, and I actually had very little psychedelic experience. Um, at that point in my life, but I figured I had nothing to lose by trying. So I, uh, I set out trying to cure myself with psychedelics and, uh, and that's what the show we mentioned. That's what the mushroom cure is about. Mm. Is that, is that quest? Mm. Um, well, I'm a little uncertain here because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil any of your show. For yeah, no, anyone. we can talk I about have, it. I have questions. Yeah. I don't want to step on anything. I don't want to like, because I want people to, you know, buy the DVDs. Right. And the DVDs and, are, know, yeah, that's the business model from, 
from the yeah. The bo- well, the bobbleheads are a big exactly revenue source how too. How you're making money off of the Adam Strauss DVDs? It's royalties, royalties, man. Oh, They're right. using my name and my likeness. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's an easy revenue stream. <laughs> Residuals. It's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, uh, this is this is quite the business plan we've stumbled upon. Uh, other people, to yeah, make, like, yeah. Hey, will everyone make a bunch of Shane Moss stuff? And it has to be DVDs. It, it has to be legacy money. media that no one well, actually can play anymore. That for the Adam Strauss stuff, <laughs> sure. But Shane Moss stuff, you can just make your own Shane Moss autobiographical. <laughs> Uh, feature films yeah. or whatever, and uh, and send me those royalties. I'm I'm approving that. All right, um, we have it on tape. So <laughs> it's definitely not tape. It's not in any way tape. But we have it on on a digital on, thing. Yeah, I don't know what what, what is a electron. <laughs> there's electrons somewhere that know know the score. They're keeping track. Sentient electrons. <laughs> We have it. It's in the cloud. So what did you... uh, Here's what I wanted. Yeah, ask anything. All right. All right. Uh, And you know what? I'm going to ask anything and then you can just be like, nope, don't want, don't want to spoil that part. And we can edit that out or whatever. Cool. Yeah. That's what happens. Okay. So, uh, so you said about doing a mush, the mushroom cure, using mushrooms to see if this in any way will help your OCD symptoms abide and abide, subside. I was debating whether to jump in there. Abide, abide by. (laughs) Well, they just abide by some basic Uh, ground rules. Mushrooms are like, there's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) (laughs) OCD is going to have to abide by my law. (laughs) I I have uh, adorable (laughs) vocabulary that uh, is quite small and uh, and I, I make do with with what I have. Um, so we're, we're all proud of subside. you for trying. Yeah. So what did you, what did you just find, uh, go out on the street going like, Hey man, you got any boomers <laughs> or that was exactly what or did you hit up a festival? Did you find like a, some legitimate thing? Did you have friends into shrooms? What was the first steps into this journey? Well, I do have friends as previously established, even though I'm not popular. Well, just so I just because wanna... you have friends doesn't mean that you have friends that yeah. are into mushrooms. Well, this was the problem, Shane, is mushrooms. So yeah, so I tried to find mushrooms. They were extremely hard to find in New York at this point of time. in time. It was, a, it was a weird thing. People had LSD, they had ecstasy, they had ketamine, but no one in the city seemed to have mushrooms. Yeah, you know, a, I, I talked to so many different people. Jungle. It was, and and now they're, they're they're fairly available. I think it was just my timing was. Sometimes it sounds like you're like laughing at it with that, with at that a, cough, but it's just you coughing. I'm like, <laughs> just sometimes I'm like, I didn't say any. Why didn't you laugh like that at the actual joke? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, he's just coughing right yeah. now. The cough is yeah. <laughs> it, it's inconvenient in terms of clear communication. So I've for the listeners, that. you'll you'll notice some of my puns lines get a real big cough <laughs> right so yeah i couldn't find mushrooms but as i asked around i started finding other stuff and i was um I, at this point in my life i'd you know fairly recently started stand-up comedy and through some other comics i, I became hooked into the whole world of uh 
of research chemicals. Mm. Uh, you know, the stuff invented by Sasha Shulgin and, and Ann Shulgin. Ooh, so you're just jumping right in there. I jumped right into CDs. the advanced. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, ironically, or not really ironic, but surprisingly, I would say it was easier to find research chemicals and LSD than it was mushrooms at this point in, in the New York. Big Apple. I can see yeah, that. Yeah. The Big Apple's not uh, not terribly fruitful. Right. Oddly I, enough. Yes. Yes. It's I, I, a, I'm going to cough for that pun. That's <laughs> 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 my pun appreciation cough. <clears throat> I, um, so, uh, I yeah. mean, let's see in that area. I'm trying to think. I have subsequently be... found mushrooms in New York. They're actually not terribly hard to find. Okay. I haven't looked that recently. But, okay. um, yeah, and I probably wasn't as well connected. So, so I was still looking for mushrooms, but I kind of settled for research chemicals. And at the same time, I completely coincidentally, this is one of the reasons I, I do this show and wanted to tell this story is I feel like independent of whether the show is good or bad or people like me or don't like me, the actual events that happened, I think are pretty fucking amazing. Like just some of the coincidences. And to me, one of the biggest coincidences is very shortly after reading that study, I met i was in times square doing a comedy show and purely coincidentally i met this woman who was visiting from kansas who was about to get her phd in psychology um and we started this sort of relationship and it emerged after we'd been together for about a month that she had actually had essentially unintentionally cured her debilitating depression with psychedelic cactus mm. So I, I didn't know this when I met her, but as we became closer and I told her about how I was trying to find mushrooms to treat my OCD, I actually asked her if she could find mushrooms. She revealed that she had used cactus to treat her depression. Again, not intentionally. It had been just a, a wonderful, unexpected byproduct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can't trap the cactus thing on the first date. Right, exactly. That's a, that's a three-date rule for cactus. Although, actually, I think I remember talking with a couple one day and uh, like he had met this girl. And they like went on a date and she's like, oh, I have some mushrooms if you want to do mushrooms. And he's like, okay, where'd you get them? And then she's like, oh, I smuggled them um, in my vagina. Marriage material. I'm not even joking. If someone (laughs) says that to you on a first date, you just go, wow. You get down on one knee and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, Get in the car, was, drive to Vegas, yeah, seal the, the deal right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, what an interesting person. Yeah. Yeah. Mushrooms and vagina. I mean, the, the two magic words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah I you rarely hear those in get, the same sentence. Things get hot and heavy. And, and then you're like, this is great. Wait, are there psychedelic <laughs> mushrooms in here? <laughs> Just, Why am I seeing... <laughs> Why do I feel one, not just with you at a physical level, but the entire universe? We just wrote a porn. Yeah, I think just... we did. I, let's make it happen. This is I'm guys. We have a new DVD we'd <laughs> like you to purchase. <laughs> it's uh, oh, I was vaginally to... administered psychedelic mushroom therapy. The... I th- I think this is the wave of the future. Yeah. Um, the and the and the like and the dirty talk could be like oh yeah give me is. give me the I head can. of your caught at nucleus yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah wrap those basal ganglia <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is gonna be a hit 
I know we've been joking about this DVD idea up until this point, but now it's really happening. It's happening. It's happening. Um, so you met this uh, this wonderful woman who's into who is who has treated treated her depression with cactus. That's wonderful to hear as someone who uh, I've treated my depression uh, same sort of thing. Just did mushrooms and other things for fun and a uh, unforeseen. Yeah, um, effect of that was that my depression floated away. Not, not. Uh, I shouldn't make it sound that magical because still deal with depression. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, very helpful. So yeah. it's nice to hear that. Uh, it's nice to get strong attic anecdotal evidence on this show <laughs> of Science. one other person. <laughs> right. Who also experienced something sort of similar-ish. So, case That's closed. how science works. Case science closed. done. <laughs> we should publish a paper now. <laughs> Professor Moss. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I, uh, so you meet this wonderful lady and this uh, Well, I took it as kind of a, yeah, like a an encouragement that I was on the mm-hmm. right path. And she... Um, so she was sort of there for this this journey with me. And so sometimes alone, but often with her, I would take these various research chemicals. I took cactus at various dose levels, um, LSD. Basically, I took my treatment protocol, if you want to call it that, was um, taking a lot of um, – this is the OCD trying to optimize the microphone angle and, and positioning. Um, I took a lot of different drugs at a lot of different dose levels in fairly uncontrolled settings. And I did have, there were, there were quite a few exper- experiences where I did have um, OCD relief afterwards, but it was generally fairly short-lived. And I think part of that was, if you look at the the studies now that are being, being done by, uh, by MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, um, Hefter, people like that, it's not just the drug slash medicine experiences. There's a lot of follow-up and integration work um, to kind of get that to, you know, perpetuate throughout your daily life. And I, I wasn't doing that sort of work. I was mm-hmm. looking at this in a very sort of OCD way that this was going to be a silver bullet. This was just going to fix me and cure me. And um, and it doesn't work that way or it didn't work that way for me. Um, but ultimately, and I mean, I can get into more detail. I did, uh, I did eventually find a lot of relief. And I guess what I'd say is psychedelics for me, it wasn't, it sounds like your experience and this woman, her name is Grace experience where it just kind of like, like you said, floated away. Maybe that's not quite accurate, but where it kind of was, oh, wow, the depression is sort of gone or, or much reduced. For me, it was more the, the, the psychedelics gave me an opening, um, to learn to relate to the OCD in a different way where it, it stopped having so much control over me. And then over time, the symptoms started to dissipate. It was kind of applying some of the lessons I learned from psychedelics to my daily life over a period of months. And then the OCD really did start to, yeah, be drastically alleviated. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. And it's one that I I kind of take for granted sometimes because of course I'm still a miserable fuck as we all are no of course I still uh I still you know I do I would describe myself as I, I have a good amount of anxiety mm-hmm. um or maybe not a good amount of anxiety so often more anxiety than I would like uh I am obsessive which there are benefits of that too no question certainly in our line of work you know being the really TCB what 
taken care of business. <laughs> if you, I'm sorry that I just did that geez, forever. It would have been better if you give me a double thumbs up. <laughs> Put on like what's that movie with Tom Cruise? The the sunglasses. The, uh, I don't. I don't know. Oh my god. TCB. It's all of <laughs> TCB with two CB. Well, yeah. I mean, this is. I I gather this because I I have I've had periods in my life where I've experienced like the right amount of I've hardly ever experienced anxiety but I have had at times just like the right amount of anxiety where I was like driven mm-hmm. and just got tons of like was really on top of like firing back emails and booking shows and like this kind of administrative right. sort of stuff that uh, I I usually really fail quite miserably at I'm interested though. So you feel so you right because you you I guess I'm making assumptions here, but it seems like you tend more towards sort of the the depression yes. end of things versus yeah. the anxiety. Yeah, and I sometimes romanticize my depression uh, too. Like I kind of I I like kind of crawling into the abyss. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, whereas I don't think uh, like I've had when I had my um, my uh, some mental health issues last year. Uh, one aspect of it was like when i kind of thought that there was like things controlling me and Mm -hmm. like i was being like um, maneuvered around like a puppet or whatever and i was like kind of trying to like outwit the universe of like i'll i'll go through this or nope change my mind i'm going this way you didn't see that coming like trying to like reach for a semblance of of uh having free will Mm -hmm. um and uh and i that was the closest thing that i've experienced to because i would very much like start going one way and then like no no i gotta go i gotta go this way no i gotta i gotta change my it was uh, when i was in the psych ward uh i was i was it was rather silly because there's also a bunch of other people struggling with their mental health issues and we're all kind of like looking around at one another and like trying to assess what's going on and i was like thinking this was like some game some puzzle that i needed to like sort out to like get out of here and and i i remember like going and being like oh okay it's this pattern of like the like the people that are wearing a plain shirt but the scrub pants Mm -hmm. like that's that's the ones that can like uh control this person behind the thing and then that leads to another and so i'd like go and change and then like someone would see that i had changed my shirt and then they'd be like oh is that like a thing are we supposed to change it and now they're like going and they're changing their shirt (laughs) right it's a system where you're all influencing each other and And then i'm like oh oh is it because and now we're all walking around with like one sock on and like another sock on our hands that this goes in the dvd too i think this goes in this is the condition for which vaginal psilocybin administered therapy is prescribed right so that's wow so there was nothing um rewarding or pleasant about that for me it was just rather terrifying and um well but let me let me let me drill in here for a second was there a moment of reward where you'd feel like ah i've got it it's the guy with the plain shirt and the plaid pants was there a little bit of a a dopamine thing there Mm, felt more like grasping for air it felt like oh you're just trying to like trying to find some yeah Yeah. something to hold on to i was trapped in a right prison for the rest of my life yeah um i've I've been there on psychedelics (laughs) 
And uh, so, yeah, yeah. But but I was so that's why I say like because because depression, there's something especially as an artist, it's easy to go like, oh, I'm suffering for my craft. I, I can I can still be like exceptionally creative in, in my mm-hmm. depressive states and really tap into some uh, some of the beautifully dark aspects of of human nature and 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 uh you know articulate the uh, i i very much uh like finding ways of articulating like the hopelessness of mm-hmm. life and the chaos that we are all yeah trapped in so much <laughs> so that it creeps people out sometimes and, and people would rather uh not like hear me like at can we get like, a refund this was supposed like, to be comedy yeah right <laughs> or that's just like at, like Dude, this is like we invited you to our child's first birthday party, to, <laughs> right. like, not to like give everyone, send anyone, everyone into an existential crisis. Um, and uh, the one-year-olds are chain-smoking cigarettes uh, <laughs> in the corner. Now. It's and, all meaningless. <laughs> but uh, but I don't see um, like if I I don't think that if I was OCD, I would see the same kind of benefit. Yeah, of, it's not know. something that. I, I wouldn't say I romanticize it. I would say it's it's something. Yeah, it felt kind of like what you were describing when you were in the psych ward, where it's like just you know g- gasping for breath, just trying to get out. It's it's a feeling of being trapped, basically. And the more you try to get out, the 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 more you're trapped. So yeah, it's not. Um, but having said that, there are absolutely benefits to being obsessive. There's benefits certainly with with writing. It's a huge benefit. I mean, I'd say my as a stand up, my style as much as anything I could identify it as, you know, really drilling into something and kind of picking it apart to an absurd degree. And that's where the humor can be. But also I can kind of feel like I can sometimes illuminate something for people where, oh yeah, there is this element of something bizarre or absurd that we, we just don't, we take for granted because, you know, we're, we're, we're like the fish who's in water, you know, so much of, of our daily life is just bizarre. And so kind of really drilling in, picking it apart, right? making these obscure analogies. I think uh, obs- in the Plus, simplest, yeah. When you're obsessed, you're, I mean, I, I mean, when, when you're depressed, say, or even not depressed, it can be hard to motivate yourself to put the old uh, pen to the pad. Uh, whereas when you're obsessed and uh, it depends on the level of, yeah. this is what I'd say is if, if I'm, if if one is really if I am uh, um, and again I rarely am now but occasionally I am if I'm in sort of an OCD crisis if I'm actively obsessing about something it definitely impedes functionality because it can assume this sort of holy grail this is the only thing that's important everything else falls by the wayside uh, but if if I'm obsessed about something like you know that's unhealthy but if I'm obsessed about getting a joke right it has the same effect where everything else falls by the wayside but uh, here, here's a good way to put it is. There's not much value in spending two hours obsessing about, say, the wording of a text message or which shirt to wear. But there is value spent spending two hours uh, trying to decide on uh, the wording of a new bit or a punchline. Mm. So it's one of, I think, one thing I attribute my recovery to is having a productive channel for my obsessions as, as I've, my career has, you know, as I've had more and more opportunities to perform. Uh, it gives me something to do mm-hmm. that uh, that absolutely, at least for me, uh, obsessing is part of the process, just really drilling and picking something apart. Hmm. So, but uh, but yeah, OCD itself is is not fun. And um, yeah, on the balance, if if I could take a magic wand and and just um, or a drug and get rid of you know all vestiges of OCD, but also lose some of the obsessive focus, 
I think I would probably take that, uh, that bargain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a safe bet. Probably. I don't think that I would miss my depression. Yeah. If it was gone. <laughs> like I, I haven't, uh, I haven't been depressed since the end of March and now we're at the end of yeah. June. So I've had a, I've had a good run of a few months now and, uh, boy, I, uh, I do not miss my depression. <laughs> right one bit yeah um i uh so so okay i have one more important question for you before i do that uh, there's a couple things we need to do one i didn't prepare you for i yeah. forgot to tell you that i have my guest name a nonprofit of their choice mm. uh each week which we already named maps and beckley and, and you can shout out uh, anyone but there's ultimately only one that goes on the here we are podcast.com website so think about which one that would be and then also we need to get all of your plugs in uh, yes. um, for directing people to where they go shows that you have um coming up and uh all of that sort of, i'm trying to think of when this is i can put it out sooner if you need it out mm-hmm. sooner but, but uh it's still gonna be mid-july mm-hmm. probably um so, uh, so uh, all of those things, <laughs> and then one final question, plus, plus giving you the option to also just say whatever the hell you feel like saying about anything. If, uh, if there's something that we missed that you think is super important, if there was like an aspect of the universe that didn't get tied together in oh, the yeah, way that right. you, we have to tie it all together. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, well, my theory is there's a number of strings and we just need to untangle. Uh, uh, ta- uh, and then tangle again in a different and then configuration. Tangle them, and then ta- <laughs> it's, it's the uh, what's the, the uh, oscillating universe? That's what it's called, right? Where the the well, I'm referring to that theory where the sort of the Big Bang is expansion, then contraction, then expansion, then contraction. Oh, I was referring to in my head. Remember when you were remember when you were a child and you'd have the string on your hands? And oh yeah, the different like cat's cat cradle? cradle or whatever. Yeah. that's what the universe is yep. to me right now in my head for this analogy. Okay, um, so. <laughs> Do all those things. Yep. Then I'll one do more everything. Super important question. <laughs> I wish I didn't always sound sarcastic. People can't tell when I'm like joking and not joking. <laughs> I but I have a serious question for you that we might also have fun with. Okay. Um. But uh. Yeah. Do, so do the pluggy plugs. So and you can. I'll. I'll do. So I have. So you don't think this would be out until mid July? I'm just deciding what to put the plug. We're gonna say mid July. Okay. Cool. So if it's mid-July now, I've just finished a three-month run uh, doing the Mushroom Cure in Berkeley. So you've missed that. Just so jump t- in a time machine. Because time it is... Was, right. It was sold out to a, a wide, uh, a massive it was, appeal. <laughs> it was... Uh, you future people already know of the show right. because it changed the world. It changed the world. Uh, there is no Numerous more OCDs. DVDs. Right. <laughs> There's DVDs everywhere. And now it's, the problem is DVD the, proliferation, excessive DVD proliferation, yeah. blocking out solar radiation. <laughs> it's really the environmental toll of all the Adam Strauss, Shane Moss. But it's been worth it. Psilocybin porn DVDs. Is, <laughs> really, it's, it's ravaging the planet. <laughs> so where can they now So in the future, this? if you're into that whole future thing, if you believe time moves in that direction so i will be doing the show and um uh well if this comes out before i will throw this in so shane and i are performing at the soap conference depending on how mid you mean by mid-july uh that's we're performing what july 14th and 15th oh yeah yeah in pittsburgh yeah 
more importantly for my bottom line is I'm bringing the Mushroom Cure to New York City. I am going to be performing it there. Uh, well, by, by the time this goes live, if you go to themushroomcure.com, that'll have links to take us. But I'm going to be performing at Theater 80 um, starting mid-July. I will be at the Marsh Theater in Berkeley. Um, that run ends on July 7th. So if Shane can finally get his shit together and have a little bit more productive anxiety. I just have too many queued up podcasts. I've actually been on top of my life lately. And so I have things and I've already made obligations to others. Um, but yeah, well, all good. All good. So, but yeah, I will be doing the show in New York um, for mid-July. I'll Hey, we're, for, we're talking about the future. I'm doing it in San Antonio at the Tobin Center for Performing Arts. I think that's November 14th through 16th or 15th, sometime mid-November. And then I'll have other shows by the time this goes live. All of, all of, all of other shows lined up too. And I also do stand-up a lot, and that's generally posted on adamstrauss.com. So you got sh- like a mailing list? Yes, that's I do. people should get into, yeah. I feel like. I wish, you know... I wish that one, people would sign up for my mailing list, and two, that I put out my mailing list. That would be that second piece of the puzzle that would really be clutch. If you, because that is, because we have... I haven't we heard have, clutch used in a, in a long time. We have a... T, oh, T, I, TCB, baby. Clutch. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it is. Uh, I, that's, you already nailed it. I don't need to add anything to it. But, but as, as comedians, as artistes, we often have stuff popping up all the time and schedules changing and everything else. So hop on those mailing lists. Yeah, and if then- you go to, I'm sure, Shane's website and my website, you can sign up for our respective mailing lists. And uh, Adam's on Adam's mailing list, um, there's, uh, there's, he also includes what I'm up to yeah. on it. Um, my mailing list is mostly about Shane. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> this is actually going to be big news for my mailing list that we're doing the pod, doing yeah, the podcast yeah. finally. So this is going to drive future subscriptions, which is really what what my business model is about: driving subscriptions. Mm-hmm. I will I will also clarify just because people sometimes get confused. And when, when you're thinking mailing list, you, like you're thinking email, no, 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 no. We, these are we, parchment. <laughs> <laughs> we send it Quills. by pigeon. If, if if you're like, did that pigeon just drop a DVD? <laughs> right. My thing is this that porn actually, DVD? These are that- CD ROM. um and then we also need we also need the non-profit yes uh first a little more just to uh finalize the self-promotion just to clarify for people because people often get confused and sometimes disappointed so the mushroom cure is it's more of a it's it's comedy but it's more i do that more in theater so it's not really stand-up but i also do straight stand-up comedy so if you see a show posted on my site that's at a comedy club. That's not the mushroom cure. That's me just making people oh, laugh. Oh, that is like a, it's yeah, a hard, confusing thing. Quite a bit. I go where people the are like comedy club all the time. Where I have, I have it uh, coming up. Let's not mention this, but often what I'll do is because it's the future, right? You know, the future people I'm talking to. But I often do my psychedelic show on say a Wednesday at a club, yeah. And then my regular act all through the week, and then people. Uh, see me posting about the psychedelic show and then they're like great i'll come out on saturday because i don't fully read the facebook ad that you spent a fortune right. running and then they show up on so it's saturday, your fault shane's disappointed fans and then, it's your fault and then they're like not only do you have very be few friends and you're unpopular you also can't show. read 
why are you guys changed fans? You should switch over to AdamStress.com. Yeah, it's much be. better in fan the, servicing. In the, in the battle that Adam and I have been waging for all <laughs> we of the kind of have been. This this is all of this does just keep on come uh, looping. All of this universe <laughs> just happens yep. again and again. Well, that is the oscillating universe I was referring to. Ourselves yeah. in this moment, uh, and then there's uh, there's always this is this is kind of the the. Uh, uh, the precipice of of what this is where the change occurs and this is like it's you guys you guys now have the opportunity to decide a a decision if you want to join adam's world or shane's world which (laughs) is a a actual porn uh thing um that are are you familiar there is actually A a, a porn Call, like in the 90s when there was DVDs called oh, really? Shane's World. Really? Yeah. I I, given the biblical Shane. connotations of Adam, I would I would wager there are more porns there's been with a, Adam in it than Shane. There's been a lot of as uh, well as the, push the and pull. Of the name. There's been a yeah. lot of like tug of war. I mean the, the Shane Adam porn wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I actually wanted to. Michael Pollan called me and he tweeted that I was the funniest psilocybin comic he knows and I wanted to, to tweet that to you I meant to I forgot to it's part of our rivalry yeah yeah, yeah so, that uh, is yeah. oh man yeah that, sorry to call you out on your own podcast yeah, but again Shane is, fans well, uh, Michael Pollan doesn't lie well so, you know I'm I'm a fan of uh, of his work and his books and um, you know maybe he doesn't have the best comedy <laughs> sensibilities but no nobody's perfect <laughs> nobody's perfect <laughs> um, but yes to 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 that point, I I will um, I'll generally indicate when I'm doing the mushroom cure versus stand up, but but yeah, if it's a comedy club, it's probably just stand up. Where further confusingly, I off I, my stand up does have a lot of psychedelic material, but the mushroom cure is more just this one intense story of me trying to cure my OCD with with psychedelics, and that's more to in further theaters. confuse things. I keep my regular act and my psychedelic act very separate. Yeah. But then you can see me do two completely different yeah, things. Well, to further, to deconfuse things, there is no overlap to between the Mushroom this. Cure and my stand-up. I just, I have psychedelic, I talk about psychedelics and stand-up, but it's not the same material that's in the Mushroom Cure. Well, but then to deconstruct. <laughs> Except for there is one line that's in my stand-up and the Mushroom Cure. Well, I have then to say to that organize if you see the Mushroom Cure again. tonight, I don't want you to call me out on that. <laughs> And then to descend back into chaos, uh, this podcast, so we will further go back into, <laughs> I'm just talking now and being silly. So, nonprofits. Um, yeah, so you know Stop what? Stop plugging your crap, like so, I often do. So, there's adamstrauss.org, which is the support and funding of Adam Strauss. It's a non, no, there's, okay. there's uh, no, I would say a for nonprofit. Have you done the Patreon? No, I haven't. Yet? Do you? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what I'm doing with it, and it doesn't get much, and I don't put much into it <laughs> ringing endorsement being completely <laughs> honest it helps me tremendously because it pays for the costs of this podcast right now where it's at right now it almost covers like the base level costs of like getting this podcast edited and keeping the website that's, up yeah so that's nice yeah but i feel like you're supposed to like do all these special yeah. blogs and things like that and it's like well i get that People think that would be nice, but if you put money on there, like I'll instead use it to like make a documentary and like things like that that you won't get to see for a while, but will be way better than any blog that I'll put on Patreon, which will take my time. So, you know, this is a, it's a busy life and you gotta like, there's a lot of, I don't know how much time to put into things. Yeah. I know that. And that's part of, you know, with, with OCD, I will say, 
I do Patri- put out very you're little. You're just like starting a Patreon and then taking your Patreon <laughs> no. down and starting a Patreon <laughs> right, and then putting your Patreon down. No, it's more that because I tend to focus on one thing to a high degree, I let a lot of other things fall by the wayside. So I don't do a lot of a ton of social media, blog posts, that stuff where I, I, I should do more. Uh, and you should uh, ask your doctor if you should do more. Yeah, I should. I ask should. your doctor they, if you, you sh- they would prescribe vaginal, Patreon. Vaginal. And then just be like. Therapy would. Doctor, since I've been on Patreon, I haven't been coming at all. And then they'd be like, "Yeah, that's we that's, forgot to that's tell you about that thing." Patreon, yeah. Um, um, all right, nonprofit. nonprofit so I'm damn gonna, it. I'm gonna throw wait, this. Why one. do you make me wait until after I've done the stupid dick joke, <laughs> and then we have to be like, also, if you're serious about making the world a better place, I'm gonna throw this one. Let me think for one second. Is there any particular? Yeah, why don't we? Uh, I'd like to. I did mention them, but there's three major psychedelic research. You can mention all yeah. of them if you want. There's I would not, say let's just going to be one winner. Let's let's focus on Hefter Hefter okay. Research Institute because, Ooh. and I didn't mention this earlier, Shane. So there was this one study that I read years ago about OC uh, psychedelics for OCD. There hasn't been a single follow up of psychedelics for OCD in ten years, which is shocking when you consider that OCD. I mean, it's people don't realize how debilitating it is. 15% of OCD sufferers attempt suicide. It's uh, just, you know, as we were saying earlier, there's not good treatments for a lot of people. Meanwhile, we have the most promising treatment, psychedelics, in this one study and 10 years, not a single follow-up. And the reason there hasn't been a follow-up is because drug development in this country is traditionally funded by pharmaceutical companies, which, of course, have no incentive to fund something that A, can't be patented, B, that works its magic with a couple of doses rather than taking it every day for the rest of your life. So the funding for this research comes down to these organizations like MAPS and Beckley and Hefter, in particular, Hefter Research Institute, um, based in Minnesota. They're the main organization. uh, Dennis McKenna's organization. Dennis McKenna's organization, yep. Um, they're uh, funding this research of psilocybin for OCD. So they have two new studies that are getting underway now. I think they're both Hefter, I'm pretty sure. One is out of University of Arizona, which is where the original study I read came out of. The other is out of Yale. And they're both, I think they started enrolling subjects in the next year or so. Um, and I'm pretty sure Hefter is behind both of them. So yeah, that would be my my choice for a nonprofit, Hefter Research Institute. Woo! Uh, yeah. All right. More sound effects. Um, this is. And then you had I a really one important question. question. Yeah, not sarcastically important. Well, I didn't know all those plugs were going to take 15 <laughs> minutes, and we are now out of time. That's not true. Uh, we don't have a time constraint here, as long as you don't. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I have a. Uh, uh, one important question: Would you recommend people with OCD go out venturing out off by their lonesome to into the world of psychedelics and mushrooms? They can't, you know. They first they're going to try. They're going to try to go the legitimate route, right. and Get themselves into a study, and there's just not one where they live. They're listening right now. They're feeling debilitated. What What do you think? Yeah, it's um, it's a tough call. What I would say is I think it's a legitimate choice. I don't think it's a crazy decision to make. Obviously, I made that decision. But I also think it's important to be aware of the risks involved. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's no, thankfully, organic risks with mushrooms, provided you're getting you know, an actual psilocybin-containing species. There are plenty of poisonous mushrooms out there. So that, of course, with ever dealing with mushrooms right. is the first thing to be aware of is make sure. <laughs> Oh, heads up. Don't eat the poison (laughs) ones. Don't don't poison yourself. Um, But 
the risk that I see it is, and again, the, the show, it's a 90 minute show. And I mentioned the length because there's a lot that happened. So it wasn't a, you know, a, a neat linear path where, oh, I took mushrooms and I got a lot of relief. It was, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of different stuff at different dosage levels and, and the outcome was not this clean, yes, I'm cured. You know, I call it the mushroom cure because that's what I was looking for. But I would not say I'm 100, I'm certainly not 100% cured. Uh, but there is a, a major difference. So I had, speaking of risks, I had one trip uh, on 2CE that actually made my OCD much worse for Ooh. about two months. It was the most, still the most traumatic psychedelic experience I've had in that's my a life. Warning story about what happened. Yeah. There. Well, so what happened was. I had uh, I tried two CE first with this woman with Grace, and we took and I had very high so I, I was on these SSRIs. Uh, for many people, SSRIs make it so that you can't really experience the effects of psychedelics. So I got and that was my experience. Mm. We tried some uh, cactus, didn't work for me. I got off the SSRIs. Uh, psychedelics then worked for me, but I needed and I still need. Interestingly enough, years later, I still need pretty massive doses to have the effects. So um, I mentioned that just for people who know the dose level. So I took 20 milligrams of 2C, which ordinarily would be considered a pretty high dose. But for me, it was um, it was pretty mild. I was getting some visual patterning. I remember I was in Washington Square Park looking at the uh, cobblestones, and they were kind of breathing and waving. But it didn't develop any further. So I went back to my apartment and snorted a little bit of 2C. I snorted 3 milligrams. Mm-hmm. And I had – it came on very quickly, and I had this moment of sort of a plus 4 – moment of this this mystical experience where it was literally just a moment but time sort of stopped and i kind of became the whole universe just for a moment sure and that's what i was looking for that was the 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 sort of silver bullet i was looking for i should mention this i i became fixated a lot of the shows about this with the idea of having what sasha shulkin calls a plus four experience this unity experience where you're the whole universe yeah uh, which in the hopkins research on mystical experiences is actually correlated with therapeutic outcomes so it's not it wasn't unscientific to be going for that but that's what i was convinced would heal me so i had this very brief taste of it but it was just a moment well that's because i smoked dmt <laughs> jumped up there and ripped <laughs> that ripped. sucker out of your hands yeah. <laughs> yeah. shane came through a hyperspace tunnel and <laughs> son of a bitch man i knew it i knew it um so uh, gentrifying my hyperspace neighborhood with his yeah, dmt gets the controls for a hot minute yeah doesn't uh... <laughs> it's like all right that's enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, uh, so I only had a taste of it. So in a sort of OCD control way, I was like, all right, well, next week I'll do a higher dose orally and I'll be in that state for a longer period of time and and be healed. So I took 24 milligrams orally and, uh, same thing, some visual patterning, but no real depth to the experience. So this time I just, maybe if I get. Um, this is a, a little longer controlling all of the universe. Well, it's not that will that will help like ease up my need for control. <laughs> and then, like... but I want to be clear on this: it's not. It wasn't that experience wasn't controlling. It was more Being. surrendering. I would yeah. say it was surrendering to the reality that I felt knew at that moment that it's all one thing. We're all the same thing. I'm the whole universe. The whole universe is me, you know, and an ego it's, it can sound egotistical, but it was sort of an egoless state of, Oh yeah, I'm just, it's, you know, it's just, yeah, being, I can't do better than that Mm -hmm. being. So I wanted that experience for longer. So I took, took a higher dose orally, same thing, not really that nothing really happening. So this time I decided to snort four milligrams of two CE and Holy fuck it. Um, it kicked in really hard and I just, 
started feeling this overwhelming terror. And then I had this realization where um, I realized once again, I was the whole universe, mm-hmm. but this was sort of the the mirror image of, you know, we're all one. This was this very solipsistic, narcissistic take on it where this was more what you were actually saying a moment ago. I'm the only thing that's real. I created the whole universe mm-hmm. to distract me from the fact that I'm actually completely alone, infinitely and eternally alone. And uh, so I created other people. I created everything. And I'm sentenced. It's a, a life, not a life sentence, an eternal sentence to solitary confinement. I'm the only thing that's real. And it was the most horrifying moment in my life. And I, I called up a friend and he answered. And I said, I don't know why I'm calling you because I'm talking to myself on the other end of the line. And then I had a moment where I actually felt suicidal. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to jump out the window. But I realized <laughs> that's not going to work because I'm the pavement I'll hit. I'm right. the force of gravity accelerating me toward the pavement. I can't die. I can't escape. I've created this illusion that I'm not alone. But now that I've seen through it, mm. I'll, um, you know, this yeah, is my fate. Fine. So uh, I came down, thankfully. That's the good and bad thing about drugs. You always come down. But there was this residue of just terror, of real panic that stayed with me for uh, for a couple of months and really drove the OCD to this accelerated level. So, yeah. That, well, that is the worst when you realize killing yourself isn't going to end <laughs> this fucking maze that we're all trapped in. Like, yeah. Ah, You've fuck. been there. Yeah. It's, it's ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That is the right where you realize there's no escape. So, so th- I offer that as a cautionary tale where psychedelics now, the caveats to the cautionary tale are I was doing it in an idiotic way. Not idiotic, but I was doing, you know, I was pushing it, doses, I was snorting it, I was doing it, there was no one else there to 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 try to talk me down. Uh, I was doing it in a dingy New York City apartment. So, I mean, if you're going to attempt this, what I would say is a few things, <laughs> particularly if you're doing it for OCD, is control what you can control. Do a lot of research. Know with absolute certainty that you're getting a safe product, whether it's LSD, which I also found helpful for OCD or, um, or mushrooms. There's a lot of stuff being passed. Actual LSD is very safe organically, but there's a lot of stuff being passed off at LSD that as LSD that can be fatal. So know that you have a, a safe, uh, safe material. Do it in a good environment. I think nature is optimal. It varies from person to person, but a place where you can be safe and comfortable, not have to encounter other people if you don't want them. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you all the uh, yeah, the guidelines, but you know, go to Arrowhead. Maybe Fadiman's Psychedelic Explorer's Guide is a good, good manual. Learn what the best practices are for working with psychedelics, and even with all that, maybe read some of the studies coming out of Maps and Hefter to kind of see what their protocol is and try to replicate that as much as possible. But even with all of that realize that this stuff is inherently unpredictable in a way that other drugs are not. You know, cocaine, heroin, alcohol, they produce a somewhat similar effect every time at the same dose. Alcohol is a little unpredictable, but I, I mean... But if you drink you enough... Do you do unpredictable things. You do unpredictable things, but, it's, but... yeah, yeah, like cocaine or whatever, or pain pills or something. Yeah. It's like a real straightforward <laughs> experience, and, and uh, psychedelics definitely are not... Um, all that being said, gobble those mushrooms, everybody. <laughs> Get out there and gobble them right So, up. yeah, be aware that you're not going to – you can do everything right and you can still have a very challenging experience. So it's a, it, there has to be an element if you're going to go this path of accepting the unknown and accepting some risk. Um, also, I would say there is a good network of underground psychedelic guides, particularly in places like the Bay Area and New York. And if you can find one um, – Steve. <laughs> if you could find one um, – that uh, I would recommend going that route. I did not. That was not available to me then, but I subsequently have worked. I worked with a guide about a month ago, and uh, I think that's... Yeah, Steve. Yeah. 
Steve. Everyone knows Steve. Steve. Yeah, the Just guy. Just ask for Steve. Just ask for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, do do your research. There are. I mean, this is if you need to know more about the dark underbelly of of psychedelics, you can go to check out like various groups in your area and right the psychedelic societies that sort of thing meet, meet like-minded people oh become and a part of the community that's the that's the easy thing what one last do. thing i'll say about this is i am in the process and this will be up by the time shane gets up this video in 2027 uh i am in the process of uh, recording a uh, a short video explaining how i use psychedelics for my ocd because i get a ton of emails about it and it's just become a little unwieldy trying to answer them all individually so that will be it's up that fan it. mail huh it's, the, it's not really fan mail it's at all it's so it's, much it's, it's, sadly fan mail i will answer all of those ad nauseum no this is not fan mail this is please help me and that go fuck yourself man i'm not in the uh i'm not in the helping people business no i do try to answer <laughs> these emails though honestly recently i've fallen quite a bit behind and yeah. i realized rather than answering everyone just kind of a short video saying hey this is what i did this is how it worked or didn't work for me and, you know, this is, yeah, sort of best practices. So that will be at adamstrauss.com uh, by the time this goes up, I would imagine. Cool, Adio. Thanks for joining me, Adam. Yeah, thanks for coming over. Great Absolutely. chatting. And thank you, audience, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. The Mushroom Cure. Check it out, guys. We mentioned during the podcast that, like, oh, this is going to be too late for some of you and blah, blah, blah. It might not be because I bumped this up specifically so some of you will will be able to hear this in time to check out Adam's show. So check out his website. Check out all the things that we plugged. Next week on the podcast, Ashley Booth. It's already recorded. It's already in the can. We had a, a terrific conversation. Ashley and I have been uh, friends for years now. And uh, she had me do a show for her, Aware Project, which you should check out ahead of time. Um, right now, hop on there, check out the Aware Project and what she does uh, around LA. She does a lot more than just that, but the Aware Project is how we first met. It's her, uh, 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 she built it from the ground up, and it's this cool thing that provides all sorts of uh, meetings and entertainment and all that for, for uh, uh, people interested in psychedelics in the LA area. And uh, yeah, that's how we met. I did a show for her years ago, and we've been friends ever since. I just uh, I recorded this, and then I just saw her again a couple days ago doing a, a fantastic couple panels at the Los Angeles Psychedelic Science Symposium, which I'm not really like plugging anything because it just happened, so it's not something that you can check out without a time machine, but it's still worth mentioning that it was a really, uh, it was a really terrific conference, and it's, it was their first one, and so there's things that they're going to tweak, and there, there will be better next year and everything but they were everyone was really happy with the turnout and the quality of speakers and presenters i got to moderate a panel uh, which I'm, I'm sure you can find online um and uh maybe i'll add that in the intro for next week where you can find that if you go to the laps lapss.com you can probably see I th they were filming. You can probably see like uh, YouTube videos of 
of not just me moderating a panel, but all of the all of the panels that happened there that were all super super interesting. And uh, check that out, and maybe keep an eye out uh, for if they do another one next year, which I imagine they will, because it was really pretty successful. And not only was it successful, but there was also um, you know, sometimes having some room for improvement is a, is a good thing because there's a lot of potential to just grow it and uh, see it blossom into more in the future. So, uh, so yeah, check out all that, and uh, I'll talk to you next week with Ashley Booth. Those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are, of course, my favorites. Outro music this week by Spirit of the Bear. 